Hello there. This is Jolie Bindo from the Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi podcast. You're listening to the Old Republic podcast. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating review, and Brian and Cassia will feature it on the pod. Now, enjoy the show, and may the Force be with you, always. Hello there. We want you to be a part of our KOTOR fan celebration on Star Wars Podcast Day this year in February. So we want you to be a part of the Old Republic podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So if you've ever wanted to be on the Old Republic podcast or be featured on it, this is your chance. Because um, if you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, Cassie and I went through and we did our whole pitch for a KOTOR adaptation. And now we want to hear what your ideas for a KOTOR adaptation is. So we want you to send in like a five-ish minute pitch for your dream KOTOR adaptation. It could be a movie, a trilogy, a TV show, a book, animated series, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to see in KOTOR, let us know. And then just shoot us an email with that MP3 file at ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to anchor.fm slash Podcast, um, And there's a little... Uh, icon there to record a voice message. Uh, you can record it there. Um, easy as that, and we'll get it, and we'll put it on the show for Star Wars Podcast Day. Yeah, the final day for submissions is January 29th, 2022, and if you need help recording an MP3 file, uh, reach out to me or Astrodroid, and uh, we can give you some pointers, or we could schedule a mini recording session uh so anyways thank you yeah thank you very much may the force be with you and we look forward to getting everyone's pitches this is the old republic podcast spoiler warning for the knights of the old republic series star wars the old republic and all other media this is where the fun begins All right, everyone. Today, we have a very exciting podcast for everyone. So if you go back in your time machine back to May of 2021, uh, it was episode number 70. And we had Scott on from Unreal Cinema to talk about his Knights of the Old Republic uh, film that he was doing in the Unreal Engine um, on YouTube. It looked awesome. It sounded awesome. We talked to him and then Finally, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, December 24th, uh, Christmas Eve, the Malik short film came out, and today we are joined by none other than Malik himself, Daniel Hodge. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We are very excited to have you on. Uh, Very excited to learn a little bit more about you and more about the uh, project. So I guess to get started, why don't you... You know, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, what your kind of background is with uh, voice acting. How did you get involved with this project? Well, I am, I was primarily growing up an artist. And uh, when it came to voice acting, I kind of stumbled into it. Mm. I didn't have any intention really of doing voice acting. It was kind of, I was stuck up in the, 
in a different state. I had moved up there after I graduated high school because I needed to find a job. And I had been applying all summer for jobs around after I turned 18 locally. And we had just kind of hit that recession after I got out of high school where nobody really wanted to hire, especially if you didn't have experience. So mm-hmm. my folks had a friend who was starting up a business with them up in North Dakota. And I moved up there and I was going to live up there for uh, six weeks to eight months or so and see how it would go working for them. And uh, in the meantime, I found a different job and I kind of started working up there, making pretty much minimum wage and just living on my own. Well, I lived in a small one bedroom apartment and didn't have really much to do. I had uh, no furniture except a couch, my bed and uh, a chair. And I had a computer that I had invested some money in before a desktop that I just had on the floor. I didn't even have a desk. And mm-hmm. um, I was kind of bored because I was just when I could, I could play video games. And in the meantime, I would just spend time browsing YouTube. So I came across uh, groups of people who were doing things called fan dubs and stuff for anime or cartoons. And I would get I would like watching these people who would. Uh, create their own fan recordings of characters who were normally voiced by celebrities. And I always would watch them and could tell, like, some of them, you know, were good and some of them weren't. And I could tell what the ones who weren't really doing it, you know, were were doing correctly. And or so I tried to give some people advice because I'm like, look, you should really try to do this with your voice because I can hear this is kind of what's going on. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them are like, well, have you ever done it before? And I'm like, well, no. So they're like, well, what are you talking? You don't know what you're talking about then. I was like, well, fine, I'll, I'll show you. So I went out to the store and I bought a $20 Logitech little headset. Um, all I could afford at the time and plugged it in. And I started making little voice recordings and super embarrassed about it. (laughs) Kept screaming lines and things and going out and checking outside my, my apartment door into the hallway <laughs> to make sure I wasn't upsetting anybody or freaking anybody out because I was scre- screaming these character lines. And uh, I was very shut in, very quiet person. So I, of course, was very conscientious about things I was saying. Um, but eventually I started getting people who were commenting on my work. And then I got invited into a group uh, who who did dub these kind of things. Um that it, it never really took off. We we kind of kept making stuff, but it never actually got published on YouTube. And mm-hmm. uh, I joined this Facebook group. And then eventually I just started making whatever I thought was cool and posting it on my YouTube channel um, as far as impersonations. And I started getting tons and tons of feedback and people who really, really liked it, who asked me if I could be some character I didn't even think about playing in some other project they had going on. So from there, it just kind of went, I did a couple of fan dubs. I entered into the abridged series of like a Helsing abridged series that was starting up around the same time Team Four Star did theirs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went on to then do uh, Halo Machinima. And then from Halo Machinima for a few years, I kept doing that until I bumped into mods for games like Skyrim and Fallout and um, pretty much did that since 2013 all the way up until so I'm still doing it today. I'm still doing a lot of mods for video games to the point that 
I've I've done for like Skyrim so many mods that at least probably one person has played a mod out there. Every person has played one mod that I voiced in because um, there's I've done like over two dozen now. So oh, awesome! It's been uh, uh, a long time, but I've come from being the budding amateur into a professional through these kind of fan projects that I started voicing for, kind of like what I've done with Unreal Cinema. And I've decided to kind of pursue it as a career. So I've, I've taken it on where I'm now getting paid professionally for my work. I've done full-on video games. I've gotten to do two films um, as one of the main characters. And I've, I'm still doing uh, as much as I can whenever I can get roles for video games or animations uh, that come along. And this one with uh, Unreal Cinema is probably one of the most exciting projects I could ever be a part of because of how much I love uh, KOTOR and have always been in love with the universe since I was a kid. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and that's that's very cool to hear that you're uh, you know, a KOTOR fan you know, back before this project uh, came up because that was one of the big things we were wondering, you know, how did all of uh, you, the voice actors that are in this, uh, this Malik film, uh, what was your introduction to KOTOR? So um, I guess let's, let's start there. Knights of the Old Republic. It came out in 2003, but uh, when did you first get into this world? Um, definitely uh, same time it came out. I, was interested in trying every new type of video game that came off fresh off the shelf. And I was always going down to my local blockbuster and trying out games. Uh, one of my buddies across the street actually first bought Knights of the Old Republic, or he got it gifted from his folks. I can't remember, but mm -hmm. he started playing it and um, watching it. I was intrigued by what I saw and they were playing it and I would come over and watch them kind of, get through in the beginning and when i found out by asking them questions what the game was like i had to go and check it out for myself um but it was mostly i played over at their house because i couldn't afford an xbox an original xbox when they first came out mm -hmm. um but i eventually went out and bought one for myself and got the game and um in the meantime had been playing it on and off over at my friend's house all the time so once i finally played through it i played through it as you know, a kid like over and over and over again, beating it many, many times, at least like 10 times back then and um, have done many playthroughs since. But the relationship I had to the characters, because I loved playing through the story so many times and seeing all the different types of variety of conversation and outcomes that could happen. Mm -hmm. um, I And the storyline to me, because I was a Star Wars fan from a young age about, uh, six or seven. So the story for me was so engaging because I was so directly involved to it. And the movies back then I liked, but they were a very um, enclosed story. And there, we were still waiting for the story to be completed back then. Um, mm -hmm. Episode two was just coming out. We hadn't even seen episode three. So this was like a Star Wars that felt complete for me because the story began and ended with the game. And I could explore the characters and the world of star Wars opened up to me because there was so much, um, without much internet I had back then. I didn't even have a uh, high speed internet. I didn't know about star Wars until I played those games about races and characters and the planets and, um, 
the rules of how it all worked. So it made the films and what the films didn't explain that much more interesting to me because it opened my eyes to what Star Wars was. So I enjoyed KOTOR probably more than it's what got me into starting reading more Star Wars books. It what got me into watching some of the TV shows that came out because I always wanted to know more about this world because of how interesting KOTOR was. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the things that really drew um, myself to it. I know is uh, like you said, it really just kind of expanded the lore of what Star Wars was. It let you kind of, you know, play around in those worlds and interact with different people and uh, kind of have your own adventure in a way. Um, and, and yeah, and I think a lot of people just kind of, you know, latched onto that, which is, you know, why, you know, all, you know, 20 years later, almost, uh, we're still doing things like having podcasts about it and doing fan films about it and, uh, you know, recording dialogue uh, for it and stuff. And that's, that's just really awesome. So uh, I guess I have to ask then, so you've been playing KOTOR for a long time, uh, and now you're probably prejudiced as to who your favorite characters are, but uh, <laughs> t- take, take us back in the, in the time machine. Who are your uh, favorite characters? Who are your favorite companions uh, back then? Well, all of my friends, of course, loved the, the classic ones. They loved HK. Uh, you know, the HK and Bastila were probably the two most popular among my friends. Uh, I always did like... Candorous and Malik as mm-hmm. some of my favorite characters. Uh, it was it was always my kind of bias with them because I loved listening to um, Candorous's war stories and the 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 clear attitude he had about uh, the war and everything. How how very opposite he was to Karth and uh, very much the rest of the crew. Where he was a guy who wasn't he didn't have so many demons that he had to get over. He was kind of over his life and had his decisions figured out. And he was a lot about thinking forward, which is refreshing because with so many people you're talking to in the game who are all about obsessed with their past, uh, like Bastila or Karth, you have this character who is a very forward thinker. You can talk to about problems that are coming and less about problems that happened to him, but he's always happy to tell you about things that he did. And uh, with a character like Bastla or Karth who constantly turn you down because they don't really want to talk about themselves and they feel awkward about it, uh, it was nice to have somebody so open. And um, I enjoyed probably uh, spending... I I enjoyed Mission very much as a character because it was almost like uh, having a daughter almost uh, in relation to your character that you got to kind of be funny with and also just hear these really sad stories from about what she had to go through before you came along and have on your team. So there was a very emotional connection because as somebody who has, you know, who can, who has had a rough life, if you've had one when you're younger, you can kind of understand what a person can go through when they're alone or uh, haven't had somebody around to help, to help guide them. And then for somebody like that, for what she had gone through, to still have such a bubbly, upbeat personality, uh, that is something that even my friends have kind of like, you know, despite some things that I've gone through in my past, they've said it's kind of funny that I can have such a positive outlook on life when usually they can have such a negative mindset out of things they've had to deal with in life. And I can, I find a drive that despite how many bad things that can happen to a person, how good it is that we can stay positive and still uh, be, be happy each day. And uh, 
that was one of the things that I really liked about Mission was her general upbeat positivity and her relationship to Zalbar. So the characters that I've always kind of fallen in love with was, you know, Candorous and Malak first, but uh, Karth and Bastila, HK, I mean, it's so hard to pick which one because they really <laughs> right. become like a family throughout the whole game. Um, but Malak for me was a villain that I liked more so even than uh, some people don't like me saying Darth Vader or, you know, Palpatine. Mm -hmm. But not that because he's a better written character, but because he's a character more closely connected to you and your personal story. He has a personal stake in your decisions and caring about the decisions you make, um, caring about your existence and how much of it, it is a threat to him. So this and it's, and it's an awkward situation for you in the game because your character shares a history with this other character, but doesn't remember all the things that keep that character so interwoven and obsessed with you. So you have this almost dispassionate um, indifference towards the character outside of the fact that he's a threat to your goal and he needs to be taken out. So there is there's there's a tragedy to the fact that Revan doesn't remember um, who he is or what he did or this life that he had before um, to the very much that even Malak, he sees you as just a husk of your former self that has to be put down because you don't remember how great you were or the great things that you both accomplished. And that was a very tragic part of the character that basically his only friend in the world is dead and he has to play this this finality of walking to walking to the end confrontation between the both of them and he has you know nothing but this empty person who doesn't remember everything they went through that he has as an obstacle to defeat that you're you're a dead man walking and he just needs to do the final blow but he doesn't expect you to have become a better person than he or Revan could have ever been so it is very much a uh, a feeling I have to the character where he feels tragic from the very beginning for me all the way to the end because he is a person who has lost everything already he, in, in everything he even cared about up until the end. He didn't realize how much he still kind of cared until after you defeat him and he feels regret in the end over the journey that both of you had shared. So the character feels immensely personal because of the bond that your character had that, that and the effect that you had on their life, much like the effect you have with your current companions, um, the entire galaxy was affected because of your past life's decisions that led into what you had to do now. So it was, it was a character, a villain that I felt closely bonded to, despite the fact we didn't get to spend too much time to. And mm -hmm. I felt a certain level of understanding to the fact that I loved the way that the character was uh, tragically gone from a more quiet, uh, angry type younger character all the way up into this completely dominated evil Sith Lord personality where the entire personality that he, that he had become was also what was broken into him by his old master, by you. So his personality, despite what, whatever you say, that he went down this journey himself or that he made these decisions was still created and affected by Revan. It was still shaped by him and made even more cruel and this this other shadow of his former self. Yeah, that's incredibly well said. Uh, mm -hmm. 
Candorous and, and Malik uh, can seem like very different characters, but they are both impacted by the Mandalorian War. And I think, like, when I first played the game, I'm like, oh, this guy's just supposed to be like a Darth Rever or a Darth Vader stand-in, you know? Like, he has the metallic-y voice, and he's kind of intimidating. And maybe some people on the creative team are just like, uh, Malik Jaw, you know, like, bad guy, that's it. But, like, kind of really, like, getting to understand the characters while you run this podcast. And, like, a lot of fans have kind of latched on to this, uh, this character is he has a, a, a very tragic backstory and mm-hmm. he's just always kind of defined by Revan and like he can never let that go and and it is so tragic he's more than just jaw dude you know <laughs> right more than jaws you know but um i also i also like what you said about candrus one question i have for you is uh what do you kind of think like candrus's arc is like why does he stay with Revan after getting off of Terrace like why does he stick around do you think well what he talks about when you first kind of talk to him in the beginning is he's more so just interested in getting off planet and just living a different life than the pattern that he found himself going into he as a Mandalorian is obsessed with growth and continuing and progressing forward for both him and his people, but he feels like he's distant and he's running around in circles on Terrace, making his living, but not growing, not finding a purpose. He wants his life to mean something. And when he talks about the old war, the thing that he was always in awe about, aside from Mandalore himself, was Revan and his genius. And when he finds out that the person he's with is that person, that person he idolized, and was obsessed over because of how um, brilliant they were as a tactician, as a fighter, and a warrior. He couldn't be more happy than to find somebody better than him out there, still better than him, who lives after Mandalore's death and so many of the other Mandalorians are gone, when he believes him to be one of the last good Mandalorian warriors out there as he sees the other aspects of his race and clan that are reduced to bandits and local thugs and stuff everywhere he feels like the mandalorians have fallen um not just from the war but totally as a race because they are not they are not uh as great as they once were and he needs to train the new generation to be as great as they once were to to relive their glory and uh to train the next generation when it came to revan and him finding that out It was eventually, you know, once I find a person who isn't as capable as this, I'll probably move on. But when it found, uh, when he found Revan, who he clearly admired more than Malik or anybody else out there, there was nobody in the entire galaxy that he knew that could be a more suitable leader for him. So he went from deciding to become a leader to being a follower of somebody who he felt would be worthy of leading him even if he didn't aspire to anything greater other than just being the associate or the bodyguard to this person to walk side by side in all the deeds that and accomplishments they made. And when it came to um, Revan deciding to go away and giving his orders to him and telling him that he needed to 
train the next generation to build up the Mandalorians to be ready for when he returned from unknown space, um, that there would be an army needed for what was coming. He followed that order, regardless of what his personal selfish desire was to join him out there, was because he always follows orders of those who were superior to him, because he believes fully as a Mandalorian that you will only become great by following those greater in their footsteps. And that's why he was obsessed with following anything that Revan said, because if it's Revan, he knows better. He knows what's best for me and he knows what's best for the galaxy. And I'll do anything he says. And the Mandalorian is trained from their youth to always follow orders from those who are more experienced and who instruct them because it's the ones that will keep them alive and to live out those days of glory to the fullest and to have the greatest death possible towards the end of their life. And, uh, Candorous is just that kind of character who will go to any lengths to accomplish a task set before him or to prove himself because he, he feels as all Mandalorians did, or as all Mandalorians were raised to be that, uh, that is his goal. That is his lifelong dream is to achieve more than any other Mandalorian, or if he can more than any other man has in the entire galaxy and follow in the footsteps of those greater. Yeah. You, you really understand like the characters in depth, like their, their history and like kind of the, the universe of KOTOR. So I'm very impressed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, one of the things, um, Cassie mentioned it and you talked a little bit about it, uh, Daniel is in the game. Um, you know, Malik is kind of a, a one dimensional character and you don't really start to understand, um, him or his motivations, uh, you know, kind of where he's at, um, mentally in his own headspace until you've had the chance to play through the game a couple of times or to, you know, to hear about the game and kind of start dissecting everyone else's stories. And then his story starts to become a little bit more clear. Um, and I think for, for Cassia and myself, both when, um, you know, this project from Unreal Cinema, it, you know, it turned into, um, you know, this Malik story, uh, we were both pretty excited about that because, you know, we've really come to appreciate, um, you know, his story and his arc through, uh, you know, through this KOTOR universe. So yeah, that was something that was very exciting to us when it started to move in this direction. Yeah. I had always been interested in the concept. Uh, I was actually making my own little audio only segment, um, because I don't have the means of crafting anything visually at the moment, but I was trying to make an audio, almost radio drama short, voiced entirely by me, about mm -hmm. the exchange of how Malik lost his jaw. Because I felt Ooh. like that was a character-defining uh, moment, and I always wanted to know, or at least come up with uh, the story about how that happened. And it wasn't until... At one point when we had been approached by the team and then Scott came forward with this idea of, look, I want to do these shorts while we wait, you know, for the episode to be complete. And I want to give people something. I want to tell this story, a Malik story, and I want it to be about how he lost his jaw. And I was just floored because that was something I was currently working on myself that I hadn't even talked to Scott about. But I was ecstatic that I would be able to see something like that to actually witness it and uh 
I couldn't I couldn't picture it in my head exactly what he had in mind at the time, but it was something I was I was very eager to see put to screen. Did you kind of mention any of the, of the ideas you had? Um, no. And uh, this the talks I have with Scott are very seldom very brief. We have quick meetings, and I give him the floor to get off. Uh, you know, whatever he needs to say. If I do have suggestions on the side, I'll I'll send it to him. But um, I didn't want to stifle his creative process because he could, if I said anything before seeing a script, then he might be affected by that. And I wanted to see what he had in mind first, because it could probably be better than what I crafted. I, I had some basic ideas of how I wanted it to go down, um, but I was still in the early stages as well. So I had mentioned, I think that uh, I thought it would be on Korriban or something was, or when they were retaking the, the planets back over, it would be at a point where they would decidedly, you know, uh, Malik would have the issue of Revan being too weak or being too sentimental and him uh, challenging Revan so that Revan had to put him in his place. Mm-hmm. And I figured that would be a, a reason to focus on enough. But I didn't understand when when the short was coming up how much more visual it was going to be in uh, less narration, less uh, less narrative explained, because there's a lot of people who can uh, figure out for themselves what the reason might have been for why the jaw was taken off. But it was very much a cinematic experience to show how that happened rather than tell why it happened. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of why uh, movies, films, and shows are, are created is to show, not, not tell. And that can be the fun thing and also the difficult part of creating visual entertainment because sometimes it's easier just to have one uh character say like you remember when we met bob like five years ago and here's Mm -hmm. what we're doing today even though you do it every day and it's like you can't do that you have to show it visually Uh, Mm -hmm. otherwise you're, you're kind of failing and it's cool to hear that you kind of have been thinking about doing a radio drama and stuff like because sometimes I've kicked around the idea of like a KOTOR radio drama and in a way I guess we're we're sort of like pitching or I guess we pitched like what we would think like a KOTOR one adaptation would be like in a film trilogy you know like on on our podcast you know like and part of me is kind of like playing with the idea of like kind of like a a short film you know like based on KOTOR if you know me you probably can guess like what it's what it's focused on but (laughs) T3 uh, yeah like T3 a Star Wars story where T3 is played by T3 M4 except (laughs) no substitutes that's the that's the tagline there but um that's right yeah it's just always fun to see like Kind of through this podcast, we, we also met Marcus Mosley, who we'll have a question from later, like, who's creating Holochronicles of a Jedi and is uh, your your co-star, you know, like, Trascolgo, of course, and uh, there's just so many creative people out there that KOTOR means a lot to, and it's just so awesome. Yeah, it was it was one of those things that I, I had friends, of course, who loved the game, who I, I grew up, uh, grew, I grew with who were playing the game. And I had never 
gotten to just meet some strangers and talk about this kind of game before until I joined the Unreal Cinema Project. And once I started to meet the other people on the server and people just swarmed in, it was the first time I was ever in any sort of a setting where I was surrounded by so many people who knew so much about this niche game I played when I was a kid that a majority of people who were even Star Wars fans who I knew had never heard of and only like three or four friends I grew up with actually ever played. Mm -hmm. And there were some people I've, oh yeah, I've played that game before, but nobody who really had been so passionately affected as the people who joined the Unreal server and uh, started down the path of trying out when auditions were coming out and people were, were getting ready to try out for all these roles, people were getting so excited and sharing, you know, all their excitement about if they got casted for these characters, uh, certain ones that they, they thought they were going to try out for and then ended up trying out for other ones later on. And I was, I was uncertain because I came in as a voice actor already, but there was a bunch of people who hadn't even tried voice acting before who were going to go into the project. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was curious on how whole, the whole project would be handled for auditioning. And uh, by the time that the cast was chosen and I got to meet everybody and hear some of their work, there were so many other talented people, even those who hadn't even tried voice acting before, who are really great actors who also have this passion for the character of, of, of Revan and all the other characters as well. And I couldn't, I couldn't be more floored in the fact of, from talking with these people, how much KOTOR actually affected their lives and how similar um, they were moved by the characters and the, the media of Star Wars. So it allowed me to kind of understand just how much more that, uh, people there were out there who, who were affected so deeply by the game, by what was created and the storyline so it was exciting because now I have a group of people I can talk to all the time on our cast discord, like, and we can joke and talk about the series and, uh, get excited about everything new that comes out that we help make. And it's a general feeling of camaraderie now that I never had before over, uh, you know, a series that for fans are so widely, it's so diverse how many people like certain aspects of Star Wars and hate others and um, their opinions can go back and forth and they can be angry at each other or argumentative. But there are so many people in the cast now that we uh, we all get along and we have a lot that we can share or different aspects about the game and the storyline that we can uh, get excited about. So it's been really refreshing. It, it's been a new experience that I never thought I'd have. Yeah, that's that's great when you get a bunch of uh, people together, um, you know, that have a shared passion and can come together and do a project like this. Um, and if anyone listening out there, if you're interested, you can go back on Unreal's channel. Um, I think it was back in August when uh, they posted the uh, the cast reveal. If you want to, you know, get a little bit more insight on, you know, who the the cast of characters are going to be in uh, kind of these projects, um, that's a pretty cool way to uh, do that. Uh, but uh, Daniel, I guess let's um, let's go back and you just kind of talked about it. You know, you were coming into this as, you know, already, you know, have having done some voice acting, you know, pretty accomplished there and some people just getting into it new. Um, how did this, the Unreal Cinema you know, KOTOR project, how did that get on your radar? Did that come to you from doing 
like other like voice acting voiceover stuff or was it because you were following kotor stuff or how did you you know kind of first find out about this and then you know decide to to throw your voice into the ring for it it was kind of happenstance stuff where i had been kind of interested in doing more kotor like fan voice content or something and i wanted to check out if there was any kind of kotor projects coming up i just happened to be looking on youtube for any sort of kotor thing that i could voice for um there was one that i was kind of uh currently helping out with over uh at the kotor movie saga and uh i had joined a new series that they were doing called revan and i was playing malik in that uh Mm -hmm. but the project kind of got put on hold because unfortunately he had uh he had been diagnosed with cancer it had come out that he and he had to tell everybody on the channel and his team that he was going to have to postpone the Revan series for a while because he, you know, the unexpected complications, he had to go through therapy and it was, it was going to be really hard on him where he couldn't put the time into the series like he wanted to. So sure. there was going to be a massive setback and it was, it was awful news. And we all, we all felt horrible about it because there wasn't anything a lot of us could do. Um, I think there was some financial help he was able to gain from that, that we all, like everybody could kind of contribute, yeah. but, uh, um, now looking cancer. forward, yeah, he's actually been making a recovery now. And I think he said like the next three to six months, um, if everything looks good on their radar from his checkups, he can actually, uh, announce that he's now cancer free. Yeah. So oh, it's good. been, yeah, over a year now since all of that went down and it was, it was really shocking and uh, now, finally, for him to be able to make that statement is is really cool. And I'm still looking forward to helping them out on further episodes of that series where I'll be playing Malik on that show. But yeah. um, now with the uh, this project with Unreal, I happen to be looking for more kind of KOTOR-related projects that were happening. I-, I wanted to see what kind of stories were being told. And I came across the video that said... I'm recreating KOTOR in the Unreal Engine. And at first I was like, oh no, is this another game, you know, that is going to be made that's going to get shut down that somebody's trying to make? <laughs> right. But I yeah. saw the image of Revan on the front and I was like, that looks really good. And I clicked on it and I was blown away by the music and the animations. And it looked even better to me than what Aperion was that I was following for all that time back when they were releasing updates for it. And I was like, how can somebody make something that looks this good? And like the animations, the ship, everything, this looks like it could already be turned into a full CG game or, you know, cutscene or whatever. It, it looked like the unreal engine was so amazing that it was able to do all of that. And I don't know how long a person worked on all that, but, um, at once I found out via, uh, some messages and that he had announced that, Oh yes, I'm going to be doing the series. And he created, a discord link i started looking into that and jumped in the discord literally the day it was made i was one of the first 10 people on it and immediately was like hey by the way my name's daniel hodge and then like here's my uh here's my link to my malik that i do because i've been practicing this for like the past six years and i've always wanted to like voice the character so i love your project uh, if you ever need a voice you know for malik hit me up um and then he was like, oh, sure, I'd love to work with you. That sounds really great. But then it came time to once he started getting everybody was filling the server and he jumped 
that huge subscriber base, like almost gained 50,000 subscribers in like one week. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, it was amazing. And I was like, I didn't actually think that KOTOR was still that popular, that it would get this kind of a reaction that just somebody saying, Hey, I'm going to make this. And then that many people that made me feel so good that that many people still latched on that after all these years of nothing about the old Republic and nothing really going on, as far as a remake or a game or anything. And then look at this. Suddenly one guy wants to make this series. And then, um, so then I saw, you know, once people started joining, he said he was going to do a casting call and that he was going to be, uh, doing a free audition for everybody on the server to just come in and try out for characters. So then I'm like, okay, well, at first I was ahead of the line. Now I'm just in line with everybody else. And I now <laughs> right. have got to earn the spot. So I waited like everybody else did for weeks and weeks until the, uh, date for the casting uh, call announcement would go. And I uh, I thought about it and thought about it, which characters I wanted to try out for. Um, I had to learn the way, because typically I just record my audition and send it in, but there were very specific instructions about how this went down. He treated it very professionally like they would for a live-action casting arrangement, and that was something I had never dealt with before was actual live-action casting techniques or arrangements for how you would do it. So I had to learn, okay, so this is how you do the slate, and this is how you put everything together. So it was a very nice learning experience. But once I put in my audition, um, I just had to wait. And, like, uh, I was lucky enough that after uh, auditioning for, like, five different characters, I got to be called back for two, which was Candorous and Malik. And I was so excited because I thought at first I'd only get called back for one, but I ended up getting called back for both. And I went through the final audition process, sat in with the different groups as we were called on the expected dates. I did some read-throughs privately with Scott. And then when we did the chemistry reads back and forth with the other actors, each of the competition that I was dealing with, we were all in waiting rooms together talking to each other while we waited to go in and record with the other ones one at a time. And I was still just not getting... I was like, I wanted Malik and Revan's... I mean, I wanted Malik and Kandra so bad. Both of them. I couldn't decide which one I wanted more. And I had never done Kandra's before until that audition. So I wasn't fully convinced that I was really good at the part just yet. Because um, I had never tried that impression until just around that time. Because I'm like, oh yeah, they're going to need a Kandra's. Well, I don't know if I can do a Kandra's. Who's going to be Kandra's? So I just figured I'd have to teach myself really quick how to do it. And once it came time for reading the lines of the character, I was still figuring out the voice and I wasn't fully confident in it, but I was very confident in Malik because I've done him so long for so many years in different videos. And um, sitting in there with the other actors and recording was very um, nerve wracking, even though I'd been acting for so long just because it was these characters. And I knew I was only going to walk out with probably ever voicing one. He wasn't going to double cast me. Like he's like, nobody would get double cast in this. He's going to make sure there's an individual actor for each person. And Mm. that's that. But once it came through all the reads and um, we finally went home and it was over and we wouldn't talk about which character we would be hearing for that we were going to be picked for. And everybody else, you know, was keeping quiet on what they were contacted for. But within, like, the next five days, I had gotten a message from him on a call. And I hopped on, and he just in person wanted to say, it's like, how would you feel about playing Revan? I mean, playing Malik and Candorous. 
Like, just how would you like to be Malik and Candorous? Well, because like we've tested with everybody else, and like you said, it's just your your rendition of both characters. Like, I can't. It's like it sounds just like the characters. I can't uh, pick somebody else than you for these two. It's like you 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 stand hands and above, you know, like all the other ones right now. So I would love to have you as both of these characters because I think you'd be perfect for them. And I was like, I would gladly take both characters. I'm like, I will take the extra workload. I would love to do both of these characters justice because of how much they both mean to me. And I'd hate to have to choose between them. And so he's like, all right, congratulations, you're <laughs> casting them. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go run outside now. And then I hung up on him. And <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, that's I was right. like, I was, it was one of the happiest moments, you know, I ever had because now I would get to put in the work and my passion for each of these characters into their performance. And I wouldn't have to hear somebody else's. I would get to portray these characters the way I thought they always should for a series like this and to put in earnest my, uh, my feelings into the performance. So that was a very big, that, that was a very big thing for me when I found the project and realized that this, this can be real. I can actually see before KOTOR is ever remastered, which it may never be remastered. I'll actually get to see these characters and all this glory of high resolution and graphics and like realism. Like it, it is a dream come true to be a part of putting something like that together. Yeah, that's that's very awesome. It, it's awesome. I love that you hang up the phone before he can you know change his mind. Just make sure you get, make sure you get <laughs> okay, both of the parts. Okay, thank you, bye. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I told him like I gotta go run now. I gotta go run outside. <laughs> you can't say no because I hung up. Bye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, that's that's super awesome. And and now the you know the Malik the short has come out. So you know dialogue's been recorded. It's out there in the world. How has you know, recording this spin, do you guys, are you guys doing it like in big, like group recording sessions, like over zoom or something like that? Or are you just recording like your own dialogue? Um, just off of a script and submitting it or, uh, how has been, the, how has the recording process been? Um, Scott has a lot of, um, he has to be there pretty much for any official used recording. Um, he listens to everything very intently and carefully before making a decision. And it's usually we, we set a scheduled date. If there's one character or more who are involved, he tries to get both actors in there, you know, to mm -hmm. play off each other and hear how they read. Cause it really helps having that other actor there when they're reading their lines. Um, just to kind of get how the scene to him is going to sound when he hears us talking back and forth, but also picking the recordings he wants. And so far with me, with the short, I didn't get to read with uh, the actor who played Saul, but I was able to just record really quickly because I had I had usually been called in ahead of him and been like, hey, look, this is the date that we're going to record. But it was rather short notice where we had, I guess, a date that was planned, but then it kind of turned into, oh, we need you to record right now. He's like, I've actually just stuff has come up and I can you record today? I know it's kind of a short notice thing. So I had like been at work. I had um, already had like some soda for the day, which is like a no, no before you record. And I was yeah. like super nervous. And I was like, Oh no, I haven't like, usually I have the day to drink some honey and prepare some tea and get my vocal exercise warmed up. But I got to do this as soon as I get home from work when my voice has been like, you know, ragged from shouting all day at people. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, 
oh, this is going to be rough. So I got home and I didn't have much time. As I messaged him as soon as I walked in the door, got upstairs in my booth and got things ready. And he, uh, I hadn't seen the script ahead of time because typically he gives me the script well ahead of time and I'm able to read over things and uh, get used to it before I have to actually sit down and record. This was like first time he brought it out and showed me really quick what was written, the draft, everything completed. And so right then and there, I had to read it and then have him uh, give me the direction as needed because I had some initial reads I did and uh, he had to describe the scene. He's like, no, it's like, it's a little bit more like this because I wasn't able to see anything. It was just the script itself with some base describers of the scene that was going to be shown. And it didn't talk about the fight. It only talked about um, uh, basically it showed the narration and then some scenic shot descriptions. So I knew that I was going to be talking to Saul towards the end of it, but I didn't get to have him there to play off of. So I, initially I read through the Sith code and the lines one way, and it was kind of a more quiet, uh, much more brooding style. And when it came to going through it again, I tried to make it a little bit more angry, a little bit more impulsive. And then by the third pass, I kind of did in an almost completely different tone of being more angry, more yelling almost as the character. And I, I wanted to try to hit the scene correctly, but I didn't fully understand what was happening in context with each of the words as emphasis. So when it came towards me recording, Scott was very very uh important and like giving me the clues i needed on how to end um my pronunciations or and enunciations of things i had to kind of just use his guidance as i went through it because even i didn't fully understand what was going to be happening while i was reading everything and yeah we got he um like pretty much three takes i did of each thing a couple of them i did like a fourth take or so and Scott, once he got what he wanted, he was like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I needed. I don't need any more. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And I was like, okay, are you sure? I can do more. <laughs> I can I can record a lot more, like a, a lot more takes. He's like, no, you got it. You got it down exactly what I was looking for. So I was like, okay. Um, and then it was just, I'm like, you know, keep, keep me in touch. You need any retakes or if while you're animating things, things don't seem to line up, go ahead and get in touch with me and. I'm excited to see it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I will. <laughs> so it was then a long, quiet process of uh, waiting to find out. I only got to see at the very end. He sent me a little snippet of uh, what the character looked like without the jaw. And when I saw the model for the first time, I was just blown away by how cool it looked um, in the render because we had never seen even a reveal yet at the time of what Malik was going to look like. And I was so nervous because I was excited to see what this character would finally look like realized in these graphics. And I was more, I was so happy by what I saw. So yeah, um, the process for me for recording has been normally pretty easy. It's just, uh, we try to get everybody involved on the recordings when possible. Um, if we can do group reads, we try to do group reads, but uh, for the most part, it's delegated to how Scott needs us at the time and who needs to be there who's important to be there for the scene and he sets up a schedule with each of us and, and checks what are we available for when can we meet and we all try to get our stuff to line up it sounds like scott is uh <laughs> running a tight ship over there which is which is great to hear um yeah uh, you know, very professional so, yeah very, very professional impressive. yeah love to hear that so um 
Cassie, I think we might have some fan questions. Now, we asked, uh, you know, our, our patrons on Patreon, uh, which you can uh, have a look at if you'd like to. It's uh, www.patreon.com slash olderpublicpodcast. Um, and also, I think, Cassia, you posted uh, a thing on our Instagram today to see if there were any uh, questions that we had for Daniel. Did we get any responses there? We did. Um, so uh, this first question, as, a, as I mentioned, comes from the Marcus Mosley, uh, the great Traskal Go and uh, <laughs> in Hall of Chronicles of a Jedi. Uh, he, he plays Jolie. But this is kind of more of a technical question kind of about the craft but uh he says does malik or candorous like pineapple on their pizza <laughs> i would say that candorous probably definitely uh would put pineapple on his pizza because it's good nutritional content uh, malik <laughs> i don't think has gotten to really bite into a pizza for a good yeah. amount of years <laughs> um i'm sure that Malik, if anything, would would turn his nose up at pizza, let alone uh, pineapple and uh, probably anything less than the smoothies he probably eats every day sucking <laughs> through that hole. You know, like I, I would think that pleasure from food is the last thing ever on that guy's mind. Yeah. So I would say uh, Candorous definitely would put pineapple on his pizza. Malik, uh, it's a stretch. I don't you even know if he'd touch pizza. a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> pizza smoothie, maybe. Yeah, like, exactly. Imagine all your pizza, smoothie. all those yeah. toppings and chunks all blended up and then getting stuck in your throat. Like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we should maybe do, like, a smoothie, like, ad on our podcast. But th yeah. that, this is the content they're missing, so. That's right. Now I just want to see some fan art of, like, a pizza party on the Leviathan. Can, can we yeah. get that? That would be great. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, and he's, he's, he's making a, a good little jab too, because I did a little recording that I shared with the cast team when we, because we have so much free time with each other, we, uh, we make little recordings in character of our characters saying things to each other or making these little jokes. And I made one, uh, about Candorous, uh, making fun of the fact that there are people out there who don't like pineapple on pizza and Mandalorians yeah. don't really care about what they put on their food because they'll eat almost anything for its nutritional value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I made that in person using Candorous's voice, and then they were they thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Can you do that, uh, Brian, in Harrison Ford Ford's voice or Keanu Reeves' voice? <laughs> uh, let's let's see. Uh, just pineapple on that pizza. Whoa. That was pretty good, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I think that's yeah. that, that's my Keanu. I can't do it as Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford would not want pineapple or pizza. He wouldn't want to be bothered with anyone bringing him a pizza. Uh, oh no, you know, definitely, yeah. definitely not. I hate pizza. Get this away from me. I'm not Han Solo. I'm Indiana Jones. Occasionally Blade Runner, but not Han Solo. <laughs> that that kind of wasn't quite as Harrison Ford as I wanted, but you know, yeah. there's, there's only one Harrison Ford. You know, that's, so. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, Mark Hamill does the killer Harrison Ford impression, though. He he's the best. Uh, Mark Hamill is like the best voice actor I think there is in the world and I think Sam Witwer <laughs> is going to be maybe the next Mark Hamill you know I'm just so impressed with them I hope so, so. yeah so this one this next question is certainly a question it comes from a clunky media and <laughs> he asks Malik is only a few letters away from McClunky 
Do you think there's any connection? <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with that joke too. McClunky. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm not entirely sure if there's any connection between that and, uh, and Malik, though, um, considering his original name was Alec, I don't think that <laughs> the reason why he picked it would have anything to do with that, though, if it was, it would be very humorous. It'd be, it'd be hilarious. I think the world no. <laughs> is missing a Darth McClunky. Oh, no. yeah, yeah, Darth McClunky would be extremely, if anything, that would be uh, the bootleg Malik version, you know, from the, <laughs> if, if Malik was poorly translated or something throughout the game with uh, Chinese subtitles or something like that, it definitely would be Darth McClunky. <laughs> now, what I think happened was they asked George Lucas, what Darth Malik's name should be. And he sent over a fax and it said McClunky, but it didn't like the printer ran out of ink. So they just got Malik on there. And then he's like, Oh, they, they didn't get my name right. And that's why he put it back into uh, star Wars then. Oh yeah. They just had to rearrange it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I missed out on getting McClunky in there. Need to do it last minute. Uh, I think McClunky is a good name for a Gizka, you know? Like, oh yeah. yeah. Maybe the head yeah, there Gizka you go. that they find on the, the Ebon Hawk or something. So, mm -hmm. you know, like, we just have so many commercially viable ideas that, you know. Or a gonk droid. It's a good gonk, or a gonk, gonk droid. droid. Oh, yeah. McClunky Donkey. the gonk droid. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I think Alec kind of is similar to Arabic and Hebrew, like uh, for Angel. I don't know the proper, like, sourcing off the top of my head, so that could be wrong. So, like, don't trust me. So, like, there's your... <laughs> You know, like, don't take Cassia's word as the word of God, I guess. Like, you know. <laughs> That's your slightly suspicious uh, <laughs> uh, verbiage for today, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, I get. I don't know. It's like, you know how, like, they say, like, oh, it's canon. It's the word of God, you know. But then I was like, oh, oh yeah. maybe. Maybe I was blasphemous there. Um, we did remove one joke from our Dune episode. You know, ha have you seen Dune? And it has, like, Zendaya, like, kind of throughout it. Oh, yes. Yeah. A beautiful film. Beautiful film. Great film. We've done, like, two episodes, and we'll probably do five more, you know, at some point. But <laughs> I was like, what if, like, Zendaya plays Jesus, you know, in some movie? And I was like, maybe this is, like, going to make some people uncomfortable. So we took it out. <laughs> but I was like, why did we take it out? That was hilarious and, like, I think relevant. <laughs> So we're, we're putting it in now, like in Zendaya can do everything. So yeah, yeah, like have her play Jesus, and like I think it would be an an amazing film. So yeah, like you did not know you were getting that content today in the Malik <laughs> episode with Daniel Hodges, but we we got that. So yeah. <laughs> so Malik, a Kotor story. It was a jaw dropping. Uh, kind of like appetizer, Ooh. you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I can do puns all day. Like uh, it, that was fun. like that was like a BuzzFeed headline, I think. A BuzzFeed headline. I think that's all we really need is more search engine optimization, really. But that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> you kind of see like it jumps it jumps back and forth in the timeline, and I'm like, it gets me like champing at the bit for for more malik more kotor more of the story but like i think it kind of just shows like in a way like these are like two 
best friend's brother is like, but they're on a bad path and like the dark side kind of takes that friendship and kind of just ruins it, you know, and then you, you see them fight and just like the brutality of Robin to like taking off his jaw. He doesn't finish him off, but he like just a permanent reminder that can never heal it. I mean, it's one thing to lose like an arm, but like a jaw, like <laughs> it it's pretty intense. Um, that's one thing I was wondering is like, why do you think like Revan didn't kill off Malik and, and like just went for the jaw? Like, what do you think the reasoning was? I think Malik was, he knew this rising sense of Malik becoming more and more insubordinate to his orders and more and more uh, against uh, Re Revan had this whole plan in his head about where things are going, but he didn't tell or share that with Malik. He just did things and Malik followed him as he always did. And Revan couldn't care at that time at the height of his power, whether or not Malik really trailed after him or not, but he continued to always be there and always had to be under Revan's thumb to the point that even when Revan was lost in thought, thinking all these steps forward, he became, you know, probably very much annoyed about Malik's in, uh, continuous pestering him about, you know, his decisions and where he was going with this and what they should be doing. So the connection was that he still needed uh, Malik to serve a purpose, and that purpose was not uh, was not complete yet. It was not there yet. And in that plan, um, Malik felt continuously useless because Revan was doing everything and he was being just delegated to clean up and everything that came after. He wanted to be on the forefront. He wanted to be, and if anything, um, Revan's influencer, the one who went out and actually did all these things, where it was Revan pretty much just taking all the glory for himself. Yeah. At this time was a point at which they had flipped over from... Um, their protection of the galaxy and now they were reconquering the galaxy and they both began to hate weakness and those who were weaker than them were the ones that they hated the most and malik was beginning to feel like he was more and more inferior to revan because of all the glory and power that revan was obtaining and he was being left with nothing but the scraps so malik became increasingly uh, more filled with rage and he wanted to he wanted to claim that meaning for himself he wanted to strip Revan from it and show that he was stronger at this point that that his way was right and that Revan's was wrong so he decided to finally try to prove that to both himself and to Revan by engaging him in open conflict which he was not ready for and Revan strategically had to put him down in a way where he couldn't just take his life and go find another uh go find another apprentice, but also because this was still in the back of his mind, uh, a friend, but was still a nuisance to him. So he wanted to teach him respect and his place. Um, and by strategically taking out the part of him that was the first to turn against Revan, which was his mouth. So yeah. by taking away his jaw, he took away his ability to directly verbally uh, contest with him as well as, demonstrating in a non-lethal manner that does not inflict a wound that is to make him a less efficient warrior, but to demonstrate the difference between them and how easily he could overpower him at that moment and also take his life from him if he felt like it. And he had to put Malik in his place 
which set the seeds for his betrayal later on because of his hatred. That growing hatred that Malak felt after that moment became even more powerful for growing Malak as a Sith because Revan wanted him to learn to hate him just and, and to feel that hatred to become a more powerful apprentice. And that was an instructional moment in the Sith is if you can't be better than me, then you better not raise your hand to me. Otherwise, I'm going to have to put you down in even worse ways, or I will take a part of you every time that you fail to take me out. Because the goal of the master is to raise the apprentice to become better than themselves, to where they are at that point that they can actually really contest them and take their seat of power. But Revan was disappointed in Malak because Malak could even tell the difference between them in that moment. Yeah, it's so interesting, like, the difference between Jedi and Sith, because Jedi, like, in theory, like, sometimes, like, in the prequels and everything, uh, they don't really have as much of an open dialogue as I think they should, but, like, in theory, mm -hmm. like, the Jedi are more equal, kind of like a round table, or, like, kind of like a, like the holocron is a square, you know, kind of like each side is equal, you know, but, like, mm -hmm. the Sith, uh, like, kind of their symbol like their holocron is like a triangle and it's like they're all trying to get to that top spot and mm -hmm. uh just like when uh, when revan and malik were were jedi like they were more best friends kind of like like collaborators like i i kind of think it was easier for alec malik you know whatever we want to call him like to kind of be like the best friend the lancelot you know to like revan's arthur you know but i think when when you're a sith you kind of just want everything for you you want to be the one at the top so it's just interesting to see like in the star wars galaxy what the dark side does to like the power of friendship you know mm -hmm. back when they were still in the jedi temple together they were friends and companions, but by the time that the war happened, they slowly grew to become rivals. And their rivalry didn't fully blossom until uh, the Sith Emperor ultimately chose Revan to lead his armies instead of Malak. And that was the tipping point to where Malak thought that he would be chosen if anything, or that he was the more... It set them against each other because now there was something that divided their power and their accomplishments besides just each other because they reinforced each other as a team, but at that point, they were now direct rivals to each other in gaining power. Yeah, yeah, and that's just interesting, and then you kind of see, like, flash forward, like, uh, Malik has his jaw, like, I don't know how long that is after the duel, but uh, you just kind of see Malik, like, learn maybe the wrong lesson, and it's like, let's last, you know... Ter or, oh, it's not Terrace, it's Telos, and then Terrace comes later, you know, but it, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, he's kind of like the Howard Stark that's constrained by the technology of his time, you know, like, he wants mm -hmm. to be, like, the Darth Vader with the, actually, Darth Vader doesn't like Death Stars, now that I really think about it, like, <laughs> I guess he's, like, more like the Tarkin, like, he wants to Tarkin it up and, like, blow <laughs> planets and everything up, but, like, Take like, everything out, yeah. We don't have that, you know? We just have, like, you know, lots of ships and, like, it's, like, shoot the planets, you know? But, um, like, how much time do you think passed, like, uh, between the duel and uh, the bombing of Telos? I would say 
hours to days okay. in my interpretation because um, it's obvious the fight was over the situation of Telos to me and ultimately the decision that was made on it. And despite the fact that um, they were, he was told explicitly for what it seems like to wait for Telos to have a chance to surrender and gave the appropriate timeline. Uh, Malik had no intention after finally getting his disfigurement restored of waiting for a response from Telos. And more so because of its uh, its symbolism for the Republic and as, as a world that was so important, he wanted to demonstrate the Sith resolve to taking out, wiping out the Republic then and there and leaving the scar because the the important strategic element about Telos was wiping out a good portion of the forces that could uh, rally to uh, to challenge the Sith. And if if things could be resolved peacefully, Revan would rather conquer through maintaining resources than wiping them out, while Malak would rather be brutal and set an example to the rest of the galaxy what their intent was, as well as the mm -hmm. Sith and their power and through fear, demonstrate their ability to wield power and rule the galaxy. So, despite Revan's direct orders and despite the punishment that had been laid down on him, Malik still, in that moment, demonstrated that he was not going to do as Revan pleased. He was not going to accept his punishment or his lesson. Rather, it furthered his resolve to walk in the opposite direction of Revan and become separate, different from him in any way that he could, so that he could prove that he was better than Revan. So he allowed in that moment his anger and his hate uh, to simply demonstrate that in this moment, as I'm receiving this jaw, I am not going to become Alec, Revan's friend anymore. I am now Malik. I am now the person who is going to beat Revan and eventually one day kill him. So I'm taking this under my command. I'm, I am taking this war in my direction where I'm still following orders as necessary that my master dictates, but I will ultimately leave all judgments on how to handle it in my own care. Yeah. Uh, I, it's just so interesting because I think like Revan, like everyone just kind of thinks he's so smart, but like that's the thing about the Sith is like, they never think they're going to be betrayed. And it's like it's plot twist. You're, you're going to be betrayed. Like cause that's <laughs> the way the Sith, you know, like, right, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like Malik's decision was made that day. So if, for me, it's just like so interesting to see like Revan doesn't spare Malik, but, and I think that's out of respect for like what their friendship was, you know, like, and it's like, I think it's just such an interesting relationship that might be a little bit understated, like in the game of KOTOR, but like, if someone kind of draws that out, it's actually kind of tragic and touching, I guess. Mm -hmm. And as Revan is as a character, there is that, that theory, that thought that Revan never actually fell completely to the dark side, that others sensed the dark side within him. But even then, because of how strong that was, they couldn't sense the light that was there as well on the other side. And Revan was able to control his emotions despite letting them fuel his power and was able to keep himself thinking about what was needed to be done and not let his passions rule over him, his lust for power or for bloodshed or any of that control him. And even when other Sith would see him as weak or as not 
being strong because he wasn't letting the dark side fuel or rule over him. He was able to make those kind of choice moments that it, any other Sith would not have done. Any other Sith in that moment would have stricken down their apprentice and found another one. But Revan was still seeing through his plans to the end and keeping his uh, control tightly held inside about what he wanted done at the right times. And he was deciding in that moment that even though he could easily kill his apprentice for what he did, he was going to keep him alive for what he needed in the future. But even he did not expect that uh, the opportunity that Malak would take in the future, believing through their their past of being together as warriors and wanting to fight, that he would eventually, if anything, he was always safe if he stayed on a different ship because Malak would only ever try to engage him in open combat, uh, finding each other one-on-one. He didn't expect Malak and the person he became now to be capable of utilizing other resources or tactics as avenues to destroying him. And, and that was where Revan had underestimated the person that Malak had become uh, after their separation from each other. They're just such interesting characters. And, like, I mean, that's something I always try to be like. Maybe it's like, I'm like, maybe am I taking these characters too seriously? But I'm like, there is, like, some depth to to kind of, like, explore here, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. we, have, we run a, like, cool Star Wars podcast, and you're, like, on an even cooler, like, Star Wars project. So, like, I think we, like, kind of have to study these characters, you know? Like, kind of understand them, like... But, um, like, I guess, do you have, like, any teases... Uh, you can tease like about like the future about future unreal cinema projects or like what the first season would be um nothing i can tease exactly but um i can say that we have had discussions on the next short and uh we've got big plans for um getting season 1 kind of all bringing bringing it into focus this year and to have the first episode um, to be expected relatively sooner than later, it looks like we've got a, a, a good chance, you know, on like with uh, episode one of season one uh, coming very soon in the near future. And I'm excited to see how those pair off with the shorts and what we'll be able to see kind of like keeping both of those in tandem side by side, um, maybe flicking back between shorts and episodes as they release but the goal being that we now focus um, on getting episode one out and completed and getting all the, the lines read uh, for the full season will be uh, pretty soon where we'll, we'll just get it all knocked out and we'll get everything recorded. And then the episodes can be worked on and all the lines will be ready and we'll just have the whole season done uh as as soon as possible and start getting it released for everybody so we're trying to amp up this year um in the development process and the release you know as soon as soon as we can get it out there as soon as we know that the quality is there and it's done it'll be out and in people's hands awesome oh very awesome very awesome can't wait for that mm-hmm. yeah and i guess like a few little uh little rapid fire questions like that aren't scripted like you're always welcome to say like yeah i'm not gonna answer that but like um (laughs) would you have any like dream characters you'd like to voice in the future like star wars or otherwise like in the future 
Um, characters, I would love to one day voice my own Star Wars character. If I could get an original character that had never been voiced by anybody, that for me would be... Because I, I spend so much time doing impressions, and I respect the actors who create the voices for these characters because they're the ones who brought them to life in the first place. But having a character that I could uniquely call my own, or is just a created character from somebody who's really well written, who I could voice act in the universe, it would be, it would mean so much more to me because then it is something that I can just feel free to put myself into and not have to restrict myself to copying another actor's portrayal. Um, any existing characters that I'd love to play, uh, I'd always love to do like Emperor Palpatine or Darth Maul or uh, in KOTOR already. There's so many characters I'd love to play in the future um, that are side characters. If they When they appear in the show, um, I want to try out for Vandar Tokari, you know, on the Jedi Council. I want to try out for um, maybe Zelkaforn. Uh, uh, you yeah. know the me the medical doctor on Terrace. I'd I'd love to try out for so many of these characters, uh, Sith troopers, uh, anything that I can sink my teeth into in the extras in the background that I can fulfill as a character, and put in the effort into bringing them to life for the series if I get the chance. So, as of right now, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Cool. Like, part of me is like, what if I could be like some random like person that gets shot like like <laughs> i don't know like a republic soldier or something like in the first that's, like that's pretty easy to do yeah, <laughs> yeah there's always you know i'm expecting some kind of cameos we'll have from who knows you know who knows what sources when when the full episodes are out we get to hear different lines of people and be like oh yeah that was me you know like there's so many places for that where you can sneak people in yeah, I mean, if you're fine with, like, having a Juhani who is not Russian, like, I could maybe <laughs> do that as well. But, um, so, uh, fan cast, say it had to be, like, a live-action movie, who would you fan cast for Malik? Oh, that's a tough one. I have, I have discussed that with so many people. Um, back in the day, I was a really big advocate for Mark Strong, as so many people are, because yeah. he's another bald guy in cinema. But the more I thought about his voice, and the more I thought about his age, and I don't know, he he and his acting style. As an actor now, I pay far more attention to how people portray their characters, to where if you give an actor a certain way, despite how they appear, they're going to treat the character's portrayal a certain way. Um I've really liked Tom Hardy to the point that I think Tom Hardy could very much portray Malik and he can fit into so many different types of characters um and in, including these intimidating mask characters and stuff like that but he transforms so well for all the character roles that I wouldn't feel insecure about him getting the role because I knew he would make something of Malik that we'd never seen before and it would be a really interesting take on the character um, and of other actors besides I've seen, uh, of Tom Hardy, I'd probably, I'd probably even go, cause I'd have to pick somebody, you know, who sounds like him, or at least has that kind of way with the voice that could, that could really bring that character out. 
And uh, aside from Tom Hardy, I think I've also thought about um, uh, Dave Bautista or uh, even, uh, oh, what's his name? Even uh, Henry Cavill. I haven't thought about him. No, actually, no. Uh, Henry Cavill's in so much right now. Like, it's it's so weird because the more he spreads himself out, the harder it is for me to look at any of those characters because I keep seeing Superman or Henry Cavill. It's like, he's in so many things. It's like, uh, yeah, I wish there was a, a couple lesser known actors out there who I could uh, who I could recommend for it. That um, there, There's a few a few really good British ones out there that I wish I could pick their names out of a hat right now, but I can't think of. But yeah, those kind of actors right now, if I had to pick for like American localized, definitely be uh, a good choice for Malik. They can put on an accent. They know how to portray these characters. Uh, that would be my go-to. And of course, everybody, you know, talks about Candace. Like I would, I would definitely pick, uh, 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 the guy who played Thanos for Candace. Why can't I think of his name? Oh, oh Josh yeah. Brolin. Yeah. Josh Brolin. Josh yeah. Brolin. Josh Brolin. I can't, I've, I've thought so long and hard about it. I can't really think of anybody who could possibly in acting right now that I've seen do better than a Josh Brolin for that character. If anything, I would wish that Josh Brolin, it would play because his acting style is very Western Westerner. And it's very much a uh, very quiet, very serious tone. And even in the some more comedic things I've seen him in, he still has got that gritty. If he could play something like Candorous, who was just like an energetic badass who was happy to be here and like portray that that kind of excited demeanor of Candorous over just this the brooding, quiet one he kind of always does, I mm-hmm. would be totally on board with Josh Brolin as Candorous because I want to see the bloodthirsty Josh Brolin, and that would be fantastic. If he could nail that performance as Candorous, that excited demeanor, he'd be perfect. Yeah. And uh, who are your, uh, who's, or do you, I don't know if you have multiple ones or just one in particular, <laughs> Brian, but who is your fan cast for Malik? Um, those are all good picks that were uh, just thrown out there. Um, Tom Hardy is one of mine, um, but I think if if I was just picking one, um, I would pick Tahar Rahim, uh, oh. who who is in uh, The Serpent and The Mauritanian uh, this past year, um, which is what most people would probably know him for. Uh, he's yeah. excellent. Um, I, I think he was born in France, so he has like this he has this very like distinct kind of accent, and I think that. Uh, having an interesting voice, um, you know, like Daniel had, had said for the Star Wars villain, I think that that's important. Um, and I think that he looks the part. Uh, he could definitely look like Re- uh, look like Malik. He actually, I think, he looks a lot like Malik in the uh, Unreal hmm. uh, adaptation there. So, uh, yeah. So Tahar Rahim would be my pick. Yeah, I mean, I kind of mentioned Henry Cavill. Part of me is like, that's probably you know maybe not the best casting but it is certainly a casting you know but like uh, (laughs) it is a casting yeah yeah like i don't know like he kind of has the physicality of like a younger malik you know and then like tragically he would lose like his hair and then like his jaw and stuff like he plays good villains like in uh mission impossible fallout (laughs) and like I don't know, maybe an argument can be made and like if you listen to The Witcher, I'm like, yeah, 
this voice it's really good I, I really like it you know uh so maybe that's me just like being a henry cavill stan <laughs> i don't know but uh just put it out into the universe and see what happens yeah yeah they'll, they'll probably be like yeah no that's never gonna happen now but um then uh, just i think that sam worthington you know from avatar and clash of the titans and wrath of the titans and many other films like man on a ledge has an interesting forehead like i'm like if we had him bald like he would have an interesting forehead like which i think is a good you know part That's of true. like being bald you know like cool he looks good <laughs> bald you know so it's like that would certainly be a casting as well like and uh my last one would be nikolai coster waldo like i think he can just play a good villain has a good voice oh yeah, yeah. that was another one i was thinking would be a really good pick yeah, yeah i remember get some that. danish people some, mm, yeah. some danes up in this joint you know for kotor <laughs> and then that's actually sort of my candorous fan cast as well so. <laughs> yeah yeah i can yeah. see that and like he just plays both of them and knowing questions that like <laughs> it, it could be an easter egg kind of to the the kotor the unreal cinema kotor adaptation where like malik and candorous are played by the same voice actor you know yeah so. and they they never ever meet each other so that works there as well yeah uh so did you guys kind of have uh um any fan cast for Candorous or or do you guys kind of share your Malik fan cast as well? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember who I fan cast is, uh, Candorous. Um, yeah, I, I, Josh Brolin is, is the, uh, the obvious pick, I think. Um, yeah. And I think, I think actually, you know, because he was just Gunny in, um, in Dune, I think that, uh, that character is probably pretty similar to Candorous in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. I mean, like, for Candorous, I think, like, Ken Watanabe and Idris Elba would be good, too. But, like... Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that was my fan cast, yeah. Who needed the... Yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan was one that I thought about as well, too, because of his... Um, if you could match Jeffrey Dean uh, Morgan's uh, personality and his acting style to Josh mm -hmm. Brolin, that would be the ideal merger for me. That would be pretty cool. Um, yeah. That's a good idea. I think you'd want to have someone, yeah, like uh, Jeffrey Morgan or um, Josh Brolin have kind of that dry sarcasm to him, and I think that uh, that's what you need for a good Candorous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the last question I have is, can you do any other impressions of any of the o other KOTOR cast? It could be Revan, it could be Bastila, it could be HK, it even could be T3. Like, did you have any, or are you going to be like, no? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've I've done, I've got on my social media, both my YouTube and my SoundCloud, I have impressions of Goto, um, Fishy Fishy Guy, I've got HK forty seven. I've got Vandar. Um, I've I've got all sorts of characters on there that I I've done the impressions for that I love to do from Star Wars. Oh, that's awesome! Count Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to uh, check those out for sure. Uh, where can mm -hmm. our listeners find that uh, YouTube channel? Um, a YouTube channel is just uh, 
YouTube at Daniel Hodge, uh, voice actor, or just Daniel Hodge, typically on there. Uh, old YouTube channel name used to be DN Hodge, but then when we swapped to actual names, I just put it on there. So just search Daniel Hodge or Daniel Hodge voice, and you'll find me on YouTube easily. Nice. Awesome. Uh, thank you for coming on, and we cannot wait to to see more of this Unreal Cinema KOTOR universe, you know, and uh, just kind of like, we'll watch your career with great interest, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before we sign off here, is there uh, any any other upcoming projects you want to pitch or you know, is there any good way if uh, anyone wants to connect with you or point you in the direction of other uh, voice acting work or anything like that? Um, oh, yeah. If you uh, you can always get uh, a hold of me via my uh, uh, Discord if, if I've got a connection through you through there. But um, typically the best way is to try and reach me via my social media first. You can reach me at Twitter at Daniel Hodge VA. And uh, that would probably be the best way because getting in message through there, I can give my Discord or give email and go uh, go throughout things. Uh, I also have a Facebook uh, page, Daniel Hodge Voice Actor, there where you can message me, leave comments on my videos. I'm always posting any of the new stuff I have coming out. Um, nothing in the pipeline I can talk about at the moment. There's a lot of stuff that's coming out now that I voiced in that are slowly being released and trickled out, but I can't give firm dates on when to expect them just yet. Um, of projects I'm currently working on, uh, I'm still working actively on the video game uh, Therial Clash of Souls. Um, I'm the official uh, for the character builds and stuff like that. I'm the announcer for the character builds there and going over each of the characters as the released. I did the trailer for them. Um, you can find them on YouTube at Ethereal Clash of Souls. Uh, they also have a Discord and a website of UndyingGames.com. And that MOBA, I'll be able to release more of my involvement in in the future for any characters I voice or other aspects I do for the company. Well, thank you, Daniel, so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, like we said, we're very excited about the project. We're excited what we've seen so far, and now we're now we're excited to see what's coming next. Can't wait for that. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Old Republic podcast. May the force be with you. And you can find us on Instagram at Old Republic Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. And if you want to connect with us on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. On Patreon, the link is in our Instagram bio, or you can find it at www.patreon.com slash Old Republic Podcast. And the Old Republic Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscription, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro theme was composed by Dennis S. Mowers at DennisMowersMusic.com. Our outro theme was composed by Alistair Sherman at AlistairSounds.Wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. And our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at ChristianWalkerMusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the Force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.